Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Themyscira to Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, uh, return to podcasting from my uh, week on the injured reserve list. So, uh, yeah, we had an early... You feeling had, okay? You had a, a back problem. Yeah, we're good. Uh, thankfully, we recorded early last week, because if we tried to record on Sunday, it was not going to happen. Uh, Yikes. But... Uh, Worked out well. Uh, we're we're back in action. You had a very exciting weekend. Back I know on that. Your feet. So, um, yeah. Yes, I did. I spent uh, last night, as I've plugged in this podcast several times. I was uh, selling copies of my comic book. You can see behind me, The Amazing Shakes, at uh, a burlesque event called Trek Wars. As you can also see behind Steve. Uh, Trek Wars burlesque event at the uh, Palace Theater in Syracuse, New York. Um, put on by the Cine Sisters Burlesque, and I was just telling Steve about it. I think we uh, we're losing Mike here. Did you intentionally leave? Am I back? I did intentionally leave. Well, you're Am here I back? now. Yes, I think. Are Hello? you back? I think I'm back. Sounds like you're back. But I thought I thought I was here the whole time. So, <laughs> like, well, literally nothing changed for me the entire time. You were saying, <laughs> I think we lost him. <laughs> I kept answering questions well, and asking questions and. We had lost you, and I think we've got you back. So, okay, hooray, hooray. Um. Anyway, had a really good time. Um, a bunch of talented uh, performers at the uh, burlesque show last night. I would highly recommend if you get the chance. If you're in the Syracuse, New York area, um, if you see anything put on by, um, the Cine Sisters, Erie, Rodica, or Gina the Machina, or their, uh. Sometimes they do their own private shows. They do their uh, Eerie Rodica is putting on a Dungeons and Dragons themed burlesque show this November. So look out for that. Um, I just had a great time. It was super fun. I met. Okay. A lot of cool people had a lot of great conversations and um, saw a lot of great performers. So. Yeah, there. said okay yeah you're still cutting in and out but uh keep rolling and i'm gonna try and see if it's something on my end well yes (laughs) shit um i can close some stuff out the greatest this is phenomenal um that does anything can't tell just really great podcasting oh it's 100 percent phenomenal um anything there can't tell <laughs> i'm trying to yeah some it's shit out. It, 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 until we start going we're not this gonna be able to tell the so. greatest podcast no nah, this is just a tribute okay okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I anyway, might have some work in post on this I'm one. I'm going to keep talking. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we may have to actually edit the first episode uh, we've ever had to edit. This might be it. <laughs> um, if we have any new listeners um, that I met last night that are um, watching and or 
listening for the first time. First of all, sorry about the technical difficulties that we uh, <laughs> never seem to have. Right. It's normally not this bad. Uh, this To this extent. Yeah. Um, but also welcome. And uh, thank you for listening. And thank you for uh, talking to me last night. It was fun to meet you. So uh, let's see. What are we doing tonight? Tonight we're talking about uh, we got um, kind of some strike news. We also got a good amount of DC news and uh some cool marvel stuff a couple things that we're more like following up on the things we talked about last week we got some new detail or some confirmations on uh we'll also be doing reviews of comics that are coming out this week uh steve and i have read an advanced copy of a book coming out this week we'll get to those as well and um i think that's about it um but you know it's a lot of stuff to get through still surprised the amount of news that we have uh, since the strike, like there hasn't been a week that's been like crazy slow yet. And we are at day 100 of the writer strike at least. Um, and I'm sure we'll hit, uh, we'll hit a slow period sometime soon, but still surprised that we have enough <laughs> material to do a podcast each week so far. Yeah. Still, um, still cranking it out. It's kind of a weird, it like it's, it really is weird that there's still, this much news coming out for i i can't imagine what's going to happen when the strike ends and people can actually talk yeah. about things again mildly worries me i know but, you know here we are yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be wild um yeah i feel like we're gonna get just a completely a complete influx of announcements once the strike is over and people can announce things and yep. uh, say this person is starring in this and has appeared like i'm sure you know, I'm sure James Gunn has a lot that he wants to tell us about <laughs> that he um, can't. You know, like how much more Superman Legacy would have we would have we gotten if yeah. the strike hadn't happened? You know, because we got those castings right up the day on the day before the strike happened, we were getting Superman casting. So, anyway, this is kind of tangential to actual strike news, um, but you could say that it was probably inspired by strikes uh the writer strike and the actor strike um and if you've been listening to this podcast and paying attention to um the stuff we talk about marvel and their vfx studios you might have seen this coming uh virtual effects crews that work for marvel studios have voted to unionize yay um, uh, yay uh, and if you're uh, in the know at all, and like I said, have been paying attention to the news coming out of VFX houses that work for Marvel Studios, you know that you read this news and like all of us, just gave a slow wave and bit a fond farewell to the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> as we know it. Because uh, this means things are going to change. Um, if they're able to unionize for sure. Uh, VFX union organizer Mark Patch said in a statement, for almost half a century, workers in the visual effects industry have been denied the same protections and benefits their co-workers and crewmates have relied upon since the beginning of the Hollywood film industry. Uh, VFX coordinator Bella Huffman also said in the, uh, this is a, from a Variety article, said, turnaround times don't apply to us. Protected hours don't apply to us. And pay equity doesn't apply to us. Visual effects must become a sustainable and safe department for everyone who suffered far too long and for all newcomers who need to know they won't be exploited. And Steve, when you think about the amount of uh, visual effects that, like the, the importance of visual effects to the Hollywood film industry, 
2023, it's staggering that they haven't, they don't have their own union and they haven't been, they've been treated so poorly for the, like the industry depends so heavily on them and the work that they do. And up until now, they've just been treated like shit and people got away with it. Like the across the spider verse news that we talked about a few weeks ago, like, yeah, that sucks. You know, it sucks that they were treated that way, but nobody's saying that they can't be treated that way. <laughs> there's no union. There's right. no rules. There's, you know, nothing that's protecting them from doing that. That's what uh, Bella Huffman is saying here. So um, it, I'm very happy that they have voted to unionize. It's really oh, good. I, I believe that it's good news. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I would assume that they would be standing right there with the uh, directors and uh, uh, actors at this point. Um, and should yeah, be not the directors. The directors are the writers. Fool, are the fools, yeah, they're the fools that actually made a deal. Like right. you got to be thinking that the directors. A lot. I'm sure a lot of directors are like, well, whoa, crap. we got screwed, right? Yeah. We got screwed. <laughs> yep. They got played. Oh yeah. For directors. But they. But yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, I mean, they they 100 deserve to have the representation. They deserve to you know improve conditions, especially out of everything that we've heard coming out. Yeah. Uh, it's been mildly insane what has been happening. So, yeah, it's about time. I agree. I agree. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this affects uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, because this is specifically VFX crews at Marvel Studios. It's not like the entire VFX industry, although I can imagine that um, it's going to bleed into other VFX houses for sure. But... Um, you know, Marvel is famous for, you know, if you haven't been listening to this podcast or, you know, checking or hearing these stories, Marvel has become infamous for, um, last minute, uh, rewrites and reorganizations and changes to the third acts of films. You know, they, they start filming movies before the script is done and all of that chaos ahead of time bleeds into, the uh, post-production, which includes visual visual effects. So, um, you know, like uh, Huffman was saying, like, turnaround times don't apply to us. Protected hours don't apply to us. Like, you know, if uh, Kevin Feige comes to the VFX crew and says, Spider-Man No Way Home needs a new third act because we're doing this and the movie's coming out in two weeks, so figure it out. You know, like, that's... I mean, I hope that's an extreme example, but who knows based on some of these articles that we've read. From what we've heard, that's not too far off the base. Not too far off base, for sure. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see. I feel like there's been a lot of things thrown into a lot of monkey wrenches thrown at Marvel recently. The strikes being one, um, the their own hubris in taking on uh, more than they can handle or announcing more than they can handle. Uh, And now that their crews are striking, I I feel like I feel like them treating the VFX houses so poorly is the only reason that until now they've been able to churn out as much as they have. And now that they're not gonna be able to do that anymore, that pipeline's going to slow down. Oh, also Bob Iger saying that they're not, not going to spend as much money <laughs> on Marvel and like saying that they've done too much. So like right. lots of uh, lots of reasons that uh, lots of reasons to be curious about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and their output levels. I mean, for sure, it, we've been calling for them to turn that dial down for a long time. 
I don't think this pretty much is since why... we started this podcast. I think right. we've yeah. been talking about that. Yeah. Well, no, I believe if I'm if the the Wayback Machine is working correctly, uh, when we started, uh, we had come off of COVID, or we were just in the just coming out of COVID, and we yeah, started to see hungry. like I believe both of us were on the. I was getting Marvel fatigue. COVID hit. We didn't see anything. When WandaVision hit, it was a uh, you know a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and you know that time off was probably a good thing. And now yeah. here we are in the boat of. You know what would be great? A little time off. A little time <laughs> off. A little time off. I mean, that's kind of what's got me more excited about Star Wars at this point, of whenever they return to the silver screen. Is yeah, for sure. Like, there's been, there's been a dearth of big screen Star Wars content. Uh, yeah. And they've kept up the relative quality, if you don't count Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Uh, or at least four and a half series or four and a half episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, the debatable quality of some of the shows. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, but for the most part, it's been solid. Like even Kenobi, yeah. for what they, you know, some some panned it, but what they got right, they got very right. Yeah, and that's Star I agree. Wars. I feel like that's Star Wars in general. And here we are on a Star <laughs> Wars rant uh, because that never happens. But like when when you hit the highs the low like you can have peaks and valleys valleys are yeah. fine as long as you get the peaks yep star wars is all about peaks and valleys yeah. and yep. outside of empire wars... strikes back empire strikes back there are plenty of peaks and valleys throughout the entirety of everything no, i just meant movie to movie oh no <laughs> i'm thinking yeah. like even within there's movies there's peaks and there's valleys well, within movies as well yeah for sure um uh but yeah and star wars is unique or not unique but star wars is uh in a better spot than marvel when it comes to balancing tv and movie stuff marvel has got themselves painted themselves into this corner where all of their storylines are taking place at the same time so that adds to it feeling like so much is happening at once and i have to balance all these things and watch all these things and i gotta watch Ms. Marvel because it's going to connect to the Marvels and I got to watch WandaVision because it's going to connect to Doctor Strange and I'm not going to know what's going on. I have to do all this stuff like Star Wars has got themselves in this way better position where all their their stuff happens at radically different times. Yeah. And currently all the stuff that's going on in their shows. Uh, none of them are taking place in the same time period that the, the next movie is going to come out because we've heard the next movie right. is going to be the um new jedi order ray yep. movie and right and right after that it's going to be the dawn of the jedi movie right which is way far in the past yeah and then we're still going to have all these like post return of the jedi shows right. or some of them going except for andor which is you know pre-original trilogy but well and that's has has the mcu pigeonholed themselves into this like this weird spot where they they're everything is going on at the same time yeah you have right now Right now, they're in the perfect spot to break out of that mold when you're sitting in the middle of, quote unquote, the multiverse saga. Right. And yeah. like, timey-wimey bullshit is exactly what they can do. <laughs> yes, but the reason that all of Marvel stuff has to happen at the same time is because when they come to an Avengers movie, you want to see all those characters interacting. Like that's like the fun right. of the MCU, right? Is that you, you know, when you finally see 
you know, I'm just making this up at no confirmation. Obviously, when you when we finally see the Fantastic Four meet Thor or Doctor Strange or whoever else, like, you know, the new Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, like that's going to be exciting and fun and a big deal. And when the new Wolverine fights Hulk or whatever, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. But in order to do that, they all have to take place in the same time, which is part of the uh, leads to the feeling of being overwhelmed by having to keep track of all these stories. Because like at least when you're like, okay, this takes in Star Wars, you're like, okay, this takes place four years after A New Hope. You're like, okay, I remember what happened in A New Hope, but I don't have to I don't have to wonder where Luke Skywalker is while I'm watching, you know whatever the ahsoka show or whatever else you know because it's just a different time period it's fine now that said you don't though because they've alluded to miles morales they've alluded to a lot of things you've got the multiverse thing lean into the ultimate dimension hey run run a complete like last week i talked about ultimate invasion i made a huge faux pas by being (laughs) 11 45 at night looking down (laughs) And referring to the maker as Charles Xavier instead of Reed Richards. Yeah, but you were so ashamed by that. You sent me a text. I, I literally so texted so Mike. I'm like, oh, I killed my nerd cred. Uh, but it's, like, it's the, okay. It's okay. <laughs> I got many comforting responses. It was great. But <laughs> like, lean into the ultimate universe and like where there, you, you can still have all these weird team ups. It may not be the exact same characters you're used to. Yeah. But, and the like how they're interacting. But, you know, you, you can do different things and make it so that we're not seeing the same rote uh, situation over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I would like um, I'm f- I'd be fine if they did that. But even I would like if they positioned themselves in more of a way where. And I guess this is kind of hard to do because I'm just thinking of it with like groups like Fantastic Four, X-Men, like I would love it if we just got like three X-Men movies or like whatever, multiple X-Men movies that don't cross over to the rest of the MCU until we get to an Avengers movie. And there's a reason for them to cross over. Like give me two fantastic four movies, two X-Men movies, and then, you know, whatever other Avenger solo movies or whatever, but then don't team anything up until the Avengers movie. Cause then it makes it feel special and if you're just movie hopping all the time mm-hmm. i don't know because now i'm i'm kind of talking myself oh, out mean, because like part like of the part of the part uniqueness part, or phase one and phase two yes exactly exactly more like phase one and phase two yeah. where we were all losing our minds because the first time we're seeing whoever meet whoever was in an avengers movie and it was a big deal and not now where everyone's just everywhere and there's some coolness to that for sure because it makes it feel like a living, breathing universe or whatever. But at the same time, it also causes the right. overwhelmingness. It, it puts and your writers it, 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 everything feels it. the same. Everything right. feels the same. There's no uniqueness to the movies because they all have to feel like they take place in the same neighborhood, you know, more or yeah. less. But yep. Yeah. Well, you know, what's anyway. uh, you know, what's next in the rundown. Something happening Not- in the same neighborhood that uh, it had happened in previously. Yes. Um. This is something that we're we talked about last week. Yes, and um, I, I, it's I was gonna say I think we were. I mean, I still think that we were right. I still think Gal Gadot is not coming back as Wonder Woman. Okay, I still think that. 
regardless of the fact that she gave an interview this past week with Flaunt. I don't know what that is. A magazine? Didn't know that website? I don't know. I just wrote it down because that's what it said. And she said the following. She said, quote, I was invited. Oh, sorry. I should, I should recap. If you didn't hear us talk last week. Last week, apparently back in June, Gal Gadot gave a quote saying that she was going to develop Wonder Woman 3 with James Gunn and Peter Safran as the two of them begin their building out their new DC movie universe. I don't believe that that is true. I believe that James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to cast a new Wonder Woman because they've cast a new Superman. They're going to cast a new Batman. And if you're doing that, you got to cast a new Wonder Woman. Like, if you're going to reboot the universe, reboot the universe. You can bring in some minor characters as holdovers, Peacemaker, etc., whatever. But the big three, if you're recasting any of them, you should recast all of them. That's how I feel. It's still how I feel. And then we're like, oh, this interview is back in June, so whatever could have changed by then. But this past week, she said the following. I was invited to a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran and what they told me, and I'm quoting, you're in the best hands. We're going to develop Wonder Woman 3 with you. We love you as Wonder Woman. You've got nothing to worry about. So time will tell. That was her quote. Um, but this, But then also Variety released an article stating that their sources <laughs> confirm that Warner Brothers Discovery is currently not in development of Wonder Woman 3 on any level and that uh, the only Wonder Woman related project currently on the slate is the previously announced by James Gunn uh, series for Max called Paradise Lost which is like a Game of Thrones like series about the origins and history of Paradise Island, Themyscira. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. I think I think I heard Jeff Snyder say this on his podcast this week. Like, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman until they cast a new Wonder Woman. That's just like... Right. Henry Cavill was Superman until they cast... Until he wasn't. David Cornswine as Superman. Yep. Exactly. And that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Um, <laughs> and maybe, again, maybe this is her trying to save some more face. Maybe this is her trying to win some favor with fans or with Gunn and Saffron. Who knows? Yeah. But... In my heart of hearts, I do not believe she'll be back as Wonder Woman. I I, I actively guffawed uh, when I, yes, Ryan in the chat uh, noted that if you can't trust Flaunt Magazine, who can you trust? <laughs> who can you trust? Exactly. Flaunt Magazine. Yeah. They're great they're right journalism. There, you know. I mean, for all I know, they may actually be in whatever lane that they're in, but sure, can confirm. I've never heard of them. <laughs> Me either. But hey, if they scored an interview with Gal Gadot, they got to be pretty reputable. Yeah. I guess. You know what I mean? Um, speaking of James Gunn and Peter Safran and their new DC universe. They're reputable. Um, they are very reputable. And they have told us that the f- very first project that we're going to see come out of their leadership is um, an animated series for Max called Creature Commandos. We got some updates on Creature Commandos uh, this week. Um, for those of you who don't remember, Creature Commandos uh, was a project that was announced when they announced the first um, part of their slate, less than half of their full DCU slate. Uh, It's kind of like a Suicide Squad-esque team, although all the characters are monsters, pretty much, with the exception of Rick Flagg Sr., um, I believe will be the leader of the team. However, other characters include Frankenstein, (laughs) the Bride of Frankenstein, Dr. Phosphorus and Weasel, etc., James Gunn uh, confirmed this week that the voice recording for this series has been completed and that the series will run for seven episodes. And that will also 
crossover with the Viola Davis Waller series, which was in production at one point. And that makes yeah. sense because, you know, if this is like a Suicide Squad-ish team of whatever, then it makes sense that she may be somehow involved in telling them where to go and what to do. Yeah. Um, so no, that'll be who knows. It's the, it, yeah. The fact that he's already crossing things over with the Waller series, which I, I don't know, has any word been on whether that's through production or where I'm not that sure where that is or anything. So it might be crossing over with something that doesn't happen for like three years. I know. Um, I think it is in production because we was. heard about it a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then it was officially announced when they announced the slate. So I think it was in production on some level. I don't think they were shooting necessarily. Maybe. Right. But I think he said that it's going to come out. A, I mean, a, a pre-strike. I think he said it was going to come out before Superman Legacy. So maybe they were deeper into it than yeah. we thought. I don't know. I'd never okay. heard that they were shooting, but that doesn't mean that they weren't. Right. Um, I can say I did uh, did enjoy the uh, David Harbour quote in that. He, uh, he noted, and I quote, I didn't know what it was when it was sent to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I met with James. Yeah. He sort of laid out a lot of stuff. It's really exciting. He considers it some of the best stuff he's ever written. It's hilarious. The character's great. I, I mean, it's Frankenstein. Like, of course, the character's great. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been announced that it's Frankenstein, and it's a wildly color- colorful, terrific character. I'm not one to break, but during this, it's wildly funny stuff. It's hilarious, and I can't wait for people to see it. Like yeah. the fact that he had no clue what was going on sure. when they gave it to him. It's like I had never heard of Creature Commandos before. Yeah. I've since I've gone back on the digital app and read uh, a bunch of it, and it's fun. It's nice. crazy. It's just like monster. It's like it's monsters fighting in World War Two. It's you know they're like there you go. sent in to uh, defeat Nazis and stuff, which is super cool. Um, it will well, be interesting to see. Going back to the fact that this is going to cross over with Viola Davis's Waller series. Yep. This is an animated show. Waller's live action. And James Gunn has said that they're casting people to do the voices of these characters with keeping them in mind to play them in live action down the line. So we might get that sooner than later. We might see David Harbour as Eric Frankenstein in live action sooner than later if that's the crossover that's going to happen because it's not like they're going to show up as cartoon characters in the right. Waller series. You know? Well, you just move the Hellboy horns down to the side and then you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, down to the bolts in his neck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Uh, David Harper uh, also um, went on to say in the same interview, um, I think he was asked about uh, how long he was going to be playing the character or how long he had signed up for. And he said, it feels like this new world where they don't lock you in anymore. I feel like Marvel learned that lesson as well. If you don't want to do it, I don't think they are, meaning DC, is going to lock me, is going to make me make you do 20 movies. But I think it's something where I just love the world so much that it's a joy to do and a joy to work with someone so creative. So if they want me to do eight or 10 years of this, I feel like I'll check my schedule, but I'll try to free up some time. Right. He's clearly having fun voicing this character at whatever degree he's been playing that he's having well, a lot of fun that's also the benefit of working with gun and saffron and like the team yeah. that they've assembled which and i guess this this kind of goes to something i we haven't touched on but like that was kind of the shine feige had for a long time mm-hmm. like sure. the first through through endgame that was probably like that was a very similar to a quote we would hear about you know marvel and feige and like yeah, you know, we're interested. It's fun. We're doing stuff. Like, it's a great creative team. We're doing the stuff. Um, whereas 
you don't hear the puff pieces as much anymore coming out of that side of things. I know. Yeah. I think it's also the fact that, I mean, I guess I don't know if James Gunn is actually directing these episodes or if there's like an animation director, but I'm sure he's like the producer of it. And I'm sure he's heavily involved because he wrote it. And I think if James Gunn is in charge of this show and he's the one on set having this vision for this series, having written this series, knowing this series's place in the overall story that he's going to be telling. If actors have questions like that, James Gunn is going to be the one to be like, I can tell you that I can fill you that I can. Yeah. I'm here, you know, like it's different. Like if someone asks Kevin Feige something about the writing, he's got to like call the writer over because he didn't write it. You know, he may he may know, I'm sure, because he's involved in that stuff. But like like hearing it from the guy that wrote it and the guy whose vision it is, it's, you know, it's there's a different weight there, mm-hmm. you know, 100 um, percent. Yeah. Uh, speaking of DC things coming out, Blue Beetle comes out this week i believe i'm going to go see it thursday night steve i don't know if you're doing anything i will um be in the middle of nowhere camping okay so so probably, probably not no gonna be in a movie theater with you yeah okay uh so i'll be able to talk about it next week if, I'll, if all goes according to plan nice i am finally um, able to see uh ninja turtles tomorrow Ooh, i saw ninja turtles nice i thought it was great nice i liked it a lot um can I say one thing about it? Yeah. You can, because I haven't seen, I haven't seen every Ninja Turtles thing ever. I've seen a handful of the movies. I didn't see the Michael Bay ones. You did like an animated one in like 2000s. Yeah. I didn't see the animated 2007 one either. That was actually There's, legit. That's where I heard it was very good. It. I heard it was very good. Yep. Um, this was the first movie. This is not, a, I don't believe this is, it's not a really spoiler. I don't ever remember an incarnation of the Ninja Turtles where part of the characterization of the four turtles was that they wish they were normal teenagers, but they can't be because they're mutant turtles that have to live in a sewer. So they're not shunned by human Mm -hmm. society. I don't ever remember that. And it's such an absolutely natural thing to have them deal with. So the 2012 iteration, and I only know this because my son is become obsessed and is watching through the 2012 uh series a cartoon series yeah okay. um they had mikey did that a lot in that series okay so there's a whole thing where he ends up uh in in that series he wants to befriend humans so much that he goes out and becomes un- he he like tries to become friends with shredder's apprentice oh wow okay like, doesn't know it's him but uh sure like, okay yeah, it's uh, it. They end up touching on it, but yeah, that's something that's always been missing outside of that. That was yeah. the only other reference I can think of to it. Hundred percent. I've read a lot of turtles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, like this is great. It's yeah. so natural. It's such a great storyline for them, and it makes perfect sense that they would feel that way. Um, but it's great. I you know we you know I can talk about it in more detail after you see it because I don't want to uh, spoil anything oh, too much. Absolutely. They do. They do change some like origin stuff a little bit, but in a way that I found uh, actually works. And nice. interesting. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, and my son liked it a lot. My son's uh, laughing out loud. At oh, points. really? Nice. For, for, yeah. I'm going right. with two six year olds, so it should be uh, should be interesting. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, back to Blue Beetle. Other origin um, stories. <laughs> other origin series. Some um, early reactions have come out and they are mostly uh, positive from what I've read. 
Um, Variety was reporting a lot of early reactions. Uh, some were calling it like a little on the silly side, but I don't know. I think like that's debatable. But um, a lot of people were uh, a film was being called things like a huge surprise, saying it was action packed and a love letter to Latino culture. Um, people seem to be really praising the Latino representation. Um, and uh, so much so that uh, 27 Latino Hollywood organizations came together, penned and signed an open letter encouraging the Latino community to support the film, saying, amongst other things, it's just an uh, excerpt from it, uh, stories are more than entertainment. They are, powerful, they are a powerful tool for social change that fuels our collective movement to build a more equitable, just world for those who have been historically underrepresented and marginalized. We were particularly optimistic about this summer. We were approaching a critical turning point for Latino representation, and we saw the return of some of our favorite shows and characters, the launch of exciting new series, and prepared for a groundbreaking moment on the big screen, first superhero movie directed, written, and starring Latinos. We were hopeful that our long overdue cultural moment had finally arrived for the sake of current and future generations of Latinos, we will not delay progress any longer. We invite you to join us in our effort to amplify the work that countless Latino artists have worked so hard to create. It's important that we show up for them at a time when they are not able to promote their projects, referencing the strike. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I don't have a lot of hope for this movie being like a box office smash because I just feel like People after the flash, it's yeah. kind of hard to think that people haven't. It's hard not to think that people have shut the door on DC films uh, in general currently. Right. Until the until reboot. some until the reboot. Um, but we'll see, because I think one of the biggest things this movie has going for it is the fact that it has a Latino lead and it's speaking to a community that has never been directly spoken to. Uh, from a big budget superhero film. Um, and if it's good, then it might have some legs. Word of mouth might help it out. Yeah. So um, I think I saw that as projected to do like 30 million opening weekend, which is a little bit low, but I don't know. It also doesn't have the budget of The Flash either, so it can make less money. <laughs> it can make the same amount of money The Flash made and uh, have a much bigger, um, you know, and look like a more of a success for sure than the flash because the flash did not make very much money despite being a $300 million movie. Wowzers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see it uh, for sure. And I will uh, share my thoughts next week. Having seen it. Um, speaking of DC movies, I'm not sure that I want to see director David Ayer says that his cut of Suicide Squad, he uh, David Ayer wrote and directed the first Suicide Squad movie, the much maligned Suicide Squad movie, although I believe there are things to like in that movie overall. I find it not great. Um, he cast Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I'm very thankful that he did that. And I think uh, Will Smith was great as Deadshot. I think a lot of the cast in that movie was pretty good, but it's just not. So yeah, he also the he, movie being that movie. Yeah, I mean, he admitted that he didn't, he didn't even really read any Suicide Squad comics before he wrote it. So, so he yeah. just wasn't really. Yeah. And he's admitted that he's made mistakes and stuff, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, the studio, after the reception to Batman versus Superman being like, whoa, this movie is like dour and down and dark. And this is not what we're looking for in superhero movies. Um, the uh, Warner Brothers hired a, a, a trailer studio 
that cuts trailer movie trailers together to edit the film. And so the final cut of Suicide Squad is not a cut that director David Ayer um, approved of himself. It was a studio cut. He has his own cut of the film that exists uh, or could exist were he to be able to finish it. And similar to the people wanting the Snyder cut of Justice League released, there have been a loud uh, vocal minority of people that want the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad released. It's a whole thing that I'm not really super passionate about. But anyway, in a response to a fan on Twitter, um, I think David Ayer said something about his cut of Suicide Squad on Twitter, which we, he often does. Um, a Twitter fan was like, you should stop talking about this. It's not cool or whatever. Um, and he responded to that fan saying, what's your advice on how to navigate this situation with grace? There's a genuine curiosity and interest from a lot of people. And I'm aware of their... I'm aware of, the, of another group of people that have fun mocking the film. Your comment is a perfect example of how many are magnetically drawn in discussion to the 2016 film in a negative way. All I know is my unseen film plays much better than the studio release. The interest in my cut being shown seems real and organic, and Gunn told me it would have its time to be shared. He absolutely deserves to launch his DC Universe without more drama about old projects. He went a little bit, went on a little bit more, but according to David Ayer, James Gunn has told him that eventually his cut of Suicide Squad will get released, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon because he's going to have to launch his whole universe. So I think we're talking like decades from now. Right. But uh, is this something we care about? Do we want to see David Ayer Suicide Squad? You probably don't at all. I mean, would I watch it? Probably, maybe. Yeah, I would watch it. But do we need it? Probably, maybe not. Certainly not. I certainly don't need it. And I certainly don't. I don't expect it to be like that. I mean, maybe it's better. Like, he, I, I'm sure it plays better. But I don't know that it. I can't imagine that it's that I would like it. Because, like, he still wrote those characters. He wrote that dialogue, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, And I didn't lo- I think he misunderstood a lot of the characters and... I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure if you know if you're out there, if you're listening to this and you are dying to see the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, let us know. Tell us why. Um, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. And you know, maybe ten years from now, when I'm another ten years removed from the first Suicide Squad movie, maybe I'll think it makes more sense, and I'll, maybe I'll be excited to see it. But who, who knows? Steve, remember at the beginning of this podcast when we were supposed to be talking about the strike, and then we talked about the Marvel Cinematic Universe for like. 10 minutes? Yes. Do you want to talk about more Marvel stuff right now? Sure. This is uh, going back to another thing that we talked about last week. Was it last week we talked about Madam Web? I think it yes. was, right? Yes, Or two weeks ago? I don't remember. Um, uh, you found out via, while we were talking, you found out by looking at Wikipedia that uh, Sydney Sweeney was playing Julia Carpenter, yeah. which I think we'd heard rumored, but uh, Wikipedia seemed to think that it was factual and we all know wikipedia most trusted source of information out there 100 percent, certainly better than they used to be uh, okay they cite their sources uh, but anyway as if we didn't break that news last week on this very show uh sydney sweeney gave an interview to variety it was actually a whole like um a piece on her and her career came out this week where she just she confirmed 
via her own mouth that she is indeed playing Julia Carpenter, a.k.a. Spider-Woman. And she said about being cast, I was freaking out, of course. I went straight to the comic store and I bought every comic that mentioned my character. I think it's different from what people expect from a superhero movie. And that's all she said about it. So, one, I love, love when actors get cast as a superhero and say that they go to the comic book store and read absolutely everything that they can. Love it. Love it. Love hearing it. Love seeing it. Um, The quote about, I think it's different from what people expect from a superhero movie. Steve, what do you think of that quote? (laughs) Sure. We'll just go with that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's, it's what people expect. It's a superhero movie. It is what it is. But Steve, we don't really know what this movie is. It's a weird character and we haven't seen anything about it. Madam Web is not inherently a superhero. Madam Web is a weird old lady that sits in a weird, uh, like strange spidery universe space. And watches all the spider people. All right? Uh, More or less? From what I can gather of her. Yeah. I haven't read much Madam Web over the years, but... I know. You don't have Madam Web issue one? <laughs> no. I don't think there is such no. a thing. But for that, for a character to be made about that movie, I think it's possible that this could be different from what people expect from a superhero movie. You know? No. I think, if I'm remembering right, Madam Web is technically a mutant, though she is not in the MCU, so I guess probably not. Yeah, because well, not. that's how that works. Yeah, not anymore. She's not. Yeah. Um. So I think it's possible that she's accurate in that quote. It's possible, but on the other hand, I also feel like we've heard people say something similar to this about just the most generic superhero movies ever. Like, right. Ours is different because we do this thing, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I went to see it and it just looks like every other superhero movie. So right. thanks for the marketing. Um, so I guess, you know, this, this movie is still a huge question mark, huge question mark. And in, when we last talked about it, I came down on being, uh, more interested in it. Um, I think than you, <laughs> yes, I believe you did. I'm just being, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay positive about it is all. So we'll see. I will shoot for staying relatively neutral. Yeah. Because that's the best I can do. This should be, Madam Web is the movie that we should go to together and record an out of theater reaction. I feel like that, that would be, it's like, that would be. Unless the trailers change our minds. Like right now, it's like, it's just such a question mark. We just don't know. We just don't know anything. No, we know nothing. And I, and I honestly, I can't imagine what it is. I have no idea. I have no basis because it's called Madam Web. It's not called Spider Woman. Right. It's called Madam Web. If you say it's called Spider Woman, I get a general idea of what this movie is going to be like because it's called Madam Web. I have no idea. So February, 2024, February 14th, Guess we got a Valentine's Day date, Steve. buddy. Steve. <laughs> Steve, will you be my Madam Web? God. Why would you put that out on Valentine's Day, too? 
Maybe it's a romance. We don't know what this movie is, it Steve. It could be. We don't know. I mean, so Dakota Johnson is Madam Web. Yes. And Sydney Sweeney is the second Madam Web? Because that's what Julia Carpenter becomes. But yeah, before, but before she's second Madam Web, she is straight up Spider-Woman. True. So, so maybe she's just going to be Spider-Woman in a round, which I think would be awesome. Maybe this is like a Batman Beyond kind of thing where like... Madam Web is at some headquarters and she's, she's the in the ear everything. of what's that? She was the second Spider Woman and she was the second Madam Web. Like, can she just be something original? Yeah, I know, right? Come on, Julia. Pull it together. You know what Come I mean? On. Like, that would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> now now that now I want that to be it, and I'll be yeah. mad if it's not. <laughs> Uh, again, Brian brings up a great point in the chat. It's Sony. If it's not awful, then that's great for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Live action. Live action. Yes, yeah, I agree. Make sure we specify that. I agree. I think their animation a few, we- is its own a few weeks ago, I think I said this on Mike, or it was after we signed off, but if you look at the Spider-Man, all Spider-Man movies, all Spider-Man movies, there's more bad ones than good ones. Or there's more debatable ones than good ones. There's more questionable ones than... Yes. There's like a handful, like Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, uh, Homecoming. And I was going to say the Hollands, like at least two of the three are... Well... Probably, but then like, I don't love... Homecoming is is great. And then the other two are like a mixed bag. Because like No Way Home even, which was a critical success, or like critical and box office success... If you go back and rewatch it, it doesn't hold up nearly as well. Like it's it's a nostalgia trip. Yeah, like I didn't love it the first time I saw it. Right, and like I was in a severe minority of people that didn't love that movie. And I'm sure there's people that still right. are and out I there rewatched to do, it, but like, like, oh, Mike's got a point. Okay, yeah, it's like the sweatiest movie ever. It's yeah. like bending over backwards to make all these things happen. So like, it's great. Like if you think if you just it's it's crazy to me that if you look at the entire like there's a ton of Spider-Man, especially if you include like the Venom stuff and Morbius and like all the Sony spin-off stuff. Even if you include the animated Spider-Verse movies, there's still more questionable ones than there are surefire great movies. You know what I've just realized? The only of all the stupid Spider-Man spin-off movies I've ever seen is Morbius. You've never seen the Venom movies? No. Really? Yeah. Oh man, you gotta watch the Venoms. Yeah, I've heard they're <laughs> worth watching. A good time, but I like, mean, don't take them too seriously, and you're fine. Yeah, here's here's why I didn't hate Venom. Like, I recognize that it, I don't think it's a great movie, right? But I didn't see it when it came out in theaters. I waited long enough to kind of understand what it was going to be before I saw it, and I was like, "Yep, yep, okay." Is what it's. I I went in knowing like it's not going to be the movie that I want it to be, so I'm just going to let it tell me what it is. Right. And uh, it worked. I was like, "Yep, that was fun. It was fine. Nice." But you know, you should watch them. You should watch them. All right. I'll see what I can come up with someday. Someday. Um, moving on to it's funny that I said Do you want to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and neither of these stories take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Actually, no. no this one does. This one oh, does. Forgot Deadpool three. We're talking about Deadpool three right now. Um, this is a report or rumor, should we say? There's I don't. There's like you know I've said this all the time. I don't love talking about rumors on the show, but as we as 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 announcements start drying up from the strike, we may start doing that a little bit more. 
There's a Twitter scooper whose handle Twitter handle is Can We Get Toast, who's been uh, dropping scoops left and right. But it's kind of like, you know, you're dropping scoops about stuff that haven't come out yet, and we don't know if it's true. So, like, are you good at this, or are you just making stuff up? I don't know yet. We shall see. But Twitter scooper Can We Get Toast is reporting that the villain of Deadpool 3, which has not been officially announced yet, I think we've heard that there's going to be two villains, one from the MCU and one not from the MCU. This scooper saying the villain for Deadpool 3 is played by Emma Corrin, and the character is Cassandra Nova. Boom. Yeah. So Cassandra Nova doesn't know. Uh, Cassandra yeah, Nova is a... Uh, for lack of a better description, supervillain, uh, <laughs> above and beyond, yeah. uh, yeah. human, not human, all sorts of whatever, uh, technically I believe a mummadry, uh, oh, is that true? was a parasitic, uh, life form that somehow entwined with Charles Xavier, uh, before he was born and then technically is his sister because of yes. some weird things and oh. like the, it, it's standard X-Men, like if you think something's cut and dry, it's way more convoluted than it actually is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a uh, lot of the same power set as Xavier, telepath, etc. Um, Incredibly powerful. Yeah. And not a good, good person. By no, any stretch. not at all. I thought she was straight up his sister. I think I, I think the parasite embodied the body of his sister or so, like there was some weird thing. Uh, yeah. I thought it was like a. Um, I thought that they were twins, and that he. <laughs> this is incredibly X Meny. Oh, that 100%. even as a fetus, Charles Xavier was so powerful that he could sense that his sister was evil and tried to telepathically murder her in the womb. Which That's is, the origin that I remember. <laughs> that is also the most Charles Xavier thing that you could possibly do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Because for anyone who doesn't know, Charles Xavier is not a good man. He's not a good guy. (laughs) Yeah. He leads the the good guys. He's not a good guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, So Cassandra Nova was introduced uh, in the Grant Morrison run on X-Men in the early 2000s. She was also ended up being a villain in the first run of Astonishing X-Men, which is the first time that I learned of her and knew who she was. The Grant Um, Morrison X-Men was its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are uh, so. Yeah, I don't know what I, was, I don't know. What I was about to say, I lost my train of thought. But um, yeah. So she's basically just an evil. I mean, too long didn't read. Cassandra Nova is an evil version of Charles Xavier. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is terrifying because Charles Xavier is incredibly powerful. Right. Charles Xavier himself is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Evil version, even worse. Uh, yeah. Emma Cornyn definitely. Uh, they'll they'll do a a solid job with. Uh, whatever they're cast in mm-hmm. but i i could see it like yeah yeah cool i think it's cool uh that they're doing it i mean it's deadpool so uh it's a little outside the box yeah of a villain but i think it's cool that they're doing like an x-men villain that isn't that we that is less familiar you know so they can kind of do their own thing right and I've, i i don't know if there's so many hardcore Cassandra Nova fans out there, they're going to be mad if they don't do a certain version of her. You know what I mean? Right. Unless, like you're, a, unless you're a, a stupid X-Men fan, like, yeah. have read too much. Hi. 
um <laughs> the, there's probably not a ton of like amazingly strong feelings on cassandra nova um i mean i'm the, sure those the people are out popu- there oh 100 and like yeah there's plenty of people that have read way more x books than i have that i'm sure have way more strong feelings than i do but yeah. uh the 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 fact that they're like when you ask a general nerd of x-men villains cassandra nova is not going to come to the front of their list right so yep um but we'll see if uh can we get toast is correct and that she's gonna be the villain of deadpool 3 we shall see um steve you're gonna be excited about this am i Yes, it's been announced that they are making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin video game. I am going to be excited about that. Yeah, from Nickelodeon, THQ, Nordic, and Black Forest Games. uh, They announced it today with a um, a trailer, teaser trailer. Kind of like dour and ominous teaser trailer. I mean, that fits the book. Yeah, um, assumedly going to tell the story of the book, just an adaptation of of the series. Um, Steve, you have read this series yes. and you enjoy it quite a bit. I highly recommend this series for anyone who hasn't uh, read it or is interested at all in the turtles after uh, what what happens after we know them. Um, yeah. The trailer is ominous as you see each of the four candles being snuffed out. Yeah. Uh, and one remaining, which is the last Ronin, which is the one turtle remaining which I'm pretty sure uh, I've said numerous times on the podcast, so I'm not going not gonna to hold back on it, but uh, the last turtle that anyone would ever expect to be the last one remaining. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's cool. It's, it's, they save it as a... It's been spoiled for me. I don't think yeah. for you, but I read, it, I read it. They save it as a reveal in the book, don't they? Like, you don't know you don't for know a while for reading couple, it? For the first couple of pages, you're like, you're you're in the dark, and then... You, you oh, this is the pages. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I thought it was like it's not a couple issues books or anything. In. Oh, no, okay. it's, yeah, because it's cool. Like because the one that's left over is just ha- carrying all their weapons. Yeah, all like yeah. all of the deceased turtles' weapons. So you can't visually, you can't really tell. Yeah, the uh, cover of the is. first trade is just it's like a picture of the uh, a turtle in, and of course they're uh, in the books. If I'm remembering right, it's been about a year since I read them. Uh, still rocking the Eastman and Laird. Everybody has a red. Yeah. So you think it's ref because it's red. Right. Um, but, but it's just, they have every a call back all, to the yeah, original the, the classics yeah. and they have, you know, they have the Nunchaku, they have a bow, they have the Katana and everything in the size, like all on their back. The shell. Yeah. So you, you don't like, you don't know who it is and you don't know, why one turtle has all of the weapons until you, right. you know, break into it. Until a you find out. Yeah, it was funny. After my son and I saw the new Mutant Mayhem yep. movie, uh, we went to the comic book store and he bought a Ninja Turtles comic. But then he was also looking at Ninja Turtles toys and Which they have like original. <laughs> we haven't mentioned them yet, so. <laughs> it's true. Our sponsor, Funky Town Comics. Um uh, they have like toys that are designed after the original series. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dad, these toys are wrong. Leonardo doesn't have a red mask. Why is Leonardo wearing a red mask? This toy is wrong. I, I had I that like, well, conversation buddy. with my son the other day down there. I was like, see these? These are when dad actually knew them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's funny. Um, so obviously there's they just announced it, I think, today. So there's no date on when the game's coming out. But the, as the trailer says at the end, it's going to be for PS5 and Xbox, which I think is cool. Like when it first when I first started reading the article about the announcement, I for some reason I was like, oh, is this going to be just like a phone game or like a something? Right. You know, but I was like, oh, no, they're taking it, you know, full next gen consoles. So like Spider-Man cool. PS5 with a turtle. I'm all in. Right? I know. Like, that would be really cool. Yeah. That would be really cool. Or, like, you know, Arkham City or yeah. whatever, but yep. with <laughs> an Ninja Turtle. Yeah, that Arkham, that Arkham Shadow of Mordor style play yeah. would be awesome. It'd be really awesome. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played a Ninja Turtles video game. And I, I guarantee you the last time I did it, I was uh, um, probably 12 years old standing in an, an arcade. I was just going to say, it two. had to have been the arcade <laughs> game. That was definitely yeah. the last one I've played. Yep. Although oh, no, the, no, I wasn't. I wasn't a kid. I was uh, an adult, and I was at the Rochester Museum of Play playing that exact Ninja Turtles game. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, what was it? Um, there was a was it NES had one mm-hmm. that was like ridiculously hard. Yeah, I think I know. It had like a about. top yeah. down view, and then it would. Like you'd drive around the city and then it would cut to the side scroller. Oh, yes. And yeah. Yep. That yep. was I, I played the hell out of that game. Very difficult. Yeah. But staple of my childhood. Absolutely. Yep. It's amazing what we um, bang our heads against as kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh should we do some comics reviews? Might as well. You want me to go first or do you want to go first this week? Uh I might as well. All right, Steve, what uh book? Did you get to review? This is a book that's coming out this Wednesday, New Comic Book Day. Uh, no, this is a book that came out last Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. And uh, on the X-Men train from earlier, uh, The Astonishing Iceman, a six-part oh. miniseries by Camillus native Steve Orlando. Steve Orlando. Yep. So he's, he's everywhere now, uh, it seems yeah. to be. Uh, so Steve Orlando wrote it, uh, pencils by Lon Medina and, um, this cover, uh, uh, Jesus size does the, the a cover, this cover, of course, I mean, you can tell just by the art who it was. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent of Scotty young cover. Um, yeah. and strangely enough, I wasn't going to pick up astonishing Iceman and I had brought my son down to the comic shop and he's like, Oh, this looks really cool. And I'm like, yeah, I do love a good Bobby story. So grabbed it um, and figured, you know, might as well use that as the review this week. Because yeah, uh, the other option was uh, Barnstormers 1, which I will probably oh. I'll probably get to at a later date to read uh, Scott Snyder. and give you a uh, review on that. But as you can see, Barnstormers is extremely thick oh that's like a double issue it's at least like at least a giant size and yeah. um i don't know if there's i doubt there's a page count but it's huge so there was no chance in hell i could get to it um yeah. so astonishing iceman uh very very good so for anyone who is in the x sphere uh during the hellfire gala uh Bobby, uh, when Orcus comes in and raids and starts this quote-unquote Fall of X event, um, Bobby is a casualty. Oh. Or was thought to be. Um, Classic. However, Mr. Omega Level um, ends up surviving 
but is now tied to a, uh, a his his base in Antarctica mm. that uh, Romeo, his better half, uh, who is an inhuman, is also helping him project himself to places. And he's an empath, and there's this whole weird dynamic between the two of them that's great, and there's um, him... You can see it setting up him only being able to, I guess, coalesce as Bobby Drake for so long. So, oh, before he has to revert to like full before he has to like go back to Antarctica, like to the base, like he can only go out in public for so long. So it's it's a it's setting up kind of a a dynamic there that's going to be interesting. So it's a six part mini that. Uh, this I I mean I would highly recommend this as a jumping on point, especially for a you know a quick hitter six issue shot. Like it's not like it's yeah. a long ongoing. Um, and so far everything I've read from Fall of X because I did also read uh, Immortal X Men. Like mm-hmm. I think fourteen uh, was the one that dropped. That's part of Fall of X. This X Men kind of lost me for a little bit in the middle of the. Uh, post hickman pre fall of x era yeah and a lot going on this even though there's still a way too much going on uh this might have me back on the wagon nice so the combination of what's going on plus this this mini from orlando is uh it's real solid awesome yeah astonishing ice man ice man just came out last week yep still available in your local comic book store i am reviewing upcoming uh issue Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, number two. A few weeks ago, I reviewed number one favorably. And uh, I got to say, big fan of number two. Big fan of number two. Nice. And um, again, it's a uh, there's three different stories from three different creative teams, including uh, Kelly Thompson as a writer and oh. Annie Wu on the art, Brant and Stein, Ryan Parrott, and Luana Vecchio. And I had a kind of like an epiphany I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this about Harley Quinn. Um, about uh, uh, kind of like an epiphany of how to describe her character. And I think 80% of the time, Harley Quinn is a Looney Tunes character. And she should be thought of as such. Okay. More or less. That makes, that like weirdly makes sense. Right? She's like a miss, she's like a, she's like a dangerous Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny is pretty dangerous, yeah. <laughs> I guess, if you're, you know, his enemy. Um, but like, she's trying to have fun. She's trying to, she's trying to, like, she's about mischief and, you know, doesn't necessarily want to, doesn't always want to murder people. She's like, is causing chaos and stuff and just right. kind of being wacky about it. And she gets into like weird misadventures. And, um, but then the other 20%, because, because she's a Looney Tunes character most of the time, when you get to the other 20% that is actually her showing some kind of like inner emotion or feeling or referencing the fact that she threw away a career um, as a psychologist, you know, she has a PhD, like that kind of stuff, like her real humanity, it hits a little bit harder because you're seeing through the veil of this Looney Tunes character and all of a sudden you're like seeing some real emotion. So this issue, uh, number two of Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, is exactly that. The first two stories are her as a Looney Tunes character, and the third one has some like pathos and emotion to it. And the first one is the Kelly Thompson and Annie Wu 
she decides that she hates her origin story because she's so tied to the Joker. And it's kind of like a meta reference that people always will always uh, connect her to the Joker yeah. because of her um, because of her origin. So she decides she kidnaps Zatanna and makes Zatanna magically change her origin so she has Batman's origin. So then it turns like then she's like dressed like Batman all of a sudden <laughs> and is like being a you know, but then she goes the people in the bar are like, oh yeah, there's Harley Bat or whatever she's calling herself. And she's like, but um you Bat, know, but you know, she can't uh, yeah, I don't know That'd if she great. like has an actual name. I'm trying to skim right now. But saying like Oh yeah, sure she's intimidating, but the the joker gets her every single time it's embarrassing like you know like batman think mm-hmm. of it you know and so she's like nope that didn't work she goes back to the center she's like make me superman and so then she's like uh hilariously like super buff looking uh <laughs> super version of harley <laughs> like you know yep. and um it just keeps not working and she keeps changing so it's fun that you get to see her literally like bugs money in like different costumes right. and like li- like looking different until she you know comes to the realization that she doesn't need a new origin and she's her origin is perfect because she she's the only one that defeated the Joker and, you know, left him, you know, right. like that kind of thing. So super cool. And then there's one where uh, starts off where Robin is accepting an award on the behalf of the League of Super Pets. The League of Super Pets have won some kind of like pet show. OK. And then Harley interrupts them with uh, the Legion of Duminals, including uh, the Squiddler. And Barkside, which I thought were very funny pun animal names for evil DC wow. uh, pets. And then it's just like them competing against the Le- the League of Super Pets is very funny and silly and wacky. And then the last one is her sitting across from Commissioner Gordon in a diner having just um, committed some acts of uh, craziness in said diner and kind of talking about um, her life and how she feels about Gotham City and why she always comes back and why she keeps getting in trouble and her opinions on Commissioner Gordon and stuff is like this really cool like a yeah. uh, little little bit more down to earth a little bit more like real uh, version of Harley and so like I know it's really cool like this is a really great series if you like the character of Harley Quinn which a lot of people do she's one of the most popular DC characters like this is a great series to pick up because you can just pick up one book and read three and again, it like they don't overstuff it. Like a lot of anthology books that DC or Marvel do, they put like eight, 12 stories in like one book and they're all like four pages long and they're like not long enough to really do anything. Yeah. But, you know, there's three stories and it's like a bigger book. So you actually get some get some good story out of it. So uh, if you like the character at all, these are great books to pick up. Uh, the Black, White nice. and Redder series. It's Redder because it's a sequel to what they did last year, which is black, white and red with Harley Quinn. Obviously it's called that because those are the only colors that they use in the book. Um, and yeah, I would recommend it if you're a fan of uh, Harley Quinn, even a little bit. I feel like, yeah, I feel like these stories will kind of make you like her more. You know, if you want to get to know her as a character a little bit more, I, I highly recommend it. And that's coming out this week. It's your local comic book store, but Hey, what else is coming out this week? Well, you got your Alien 5 from Marvel. You got Alpha Flight number one, new Alpha Flight series. Yeah, Woo. absolutely. Definitely you got Batman's. You're going to pick up Alpha Flight? Yes. I, I I enjoy our Canadian friends up north. Uh, I feel like I used to know all of their names. Definitely don't anymore. Nope. No idea. Isn't there I like mean, a big Sasquatch guy, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it Wendigo? Uh, 
I thought Wendigo was or, a, no, he was he's the bad he's guy. He's the bad guy. And then yeah. is it Dr. Squatch or something stupid? <laughs> I don't know, but I hope it's Dr. Squatch. What a name. I gotta pull this up now. If it's uh, not Dr. Squatch, I'm like, calling I, that name. Like I can I'm remember to... I can remember North Star, but beyond North that. North Star. I remember North Star. Uh what do we got? Current members, Aurora, Guardian, Marina, North Star, Puck, Sasquatch. Oh, just Sasquatch. Oh, just straight up Sasquatch. Uh, well, Shaman, Snowbird, Talisman, and Vindicator. I'm telling you right now, to you, Steve, and anyone listening or watching this, I am calling dibs on the name Dr. Squatch. That <laughs> is a character that I am going to write a comic book about. <laughs> he's just like the doctor. He's like the doctor for other cryptids. Like they all have to come to him. <laughs> And he's That's got one amazing. of those old timey, yes. like shiny things on his head. <laughs> I'm doing that. Copyright. I'm copywriting it right now. <laughs> Sunday, August 13th, 1058 PM. I own that character. Uh, uh, co-created by Steve. I was going to say, I, I got to at least yeah. get a credit on that one. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, anyway, what are we doing? Reading comic books. Uh, oh. Batman, Superman, World's Finest. Is number that what 18. we do around here? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Betty Page, number three. Children of the Comet, number two. A oh, book yeah. that Steve and I reviewed number one of a few weeks ago. Um, Daredevil, number 14. Dark X-Men, number one. Death of the Venomverse, number two. I only recently learned about the Venomverse, and now it's dying? Yep, Ugh. apparently. Whiplash. Uh, Dwellings, number one. Ghost Rider, number 17. The aforementioned Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, number two. Hawk Girl, number two. In Hell We Fight, number three. I think this is the last round of DC's Night Terror books, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, might be uh, one uh, straggler next week, but Night Terror's Black Adam number two, Catwoman number two, Nightwing number two, Punchline number two, Superman number two, and Wonder Woman number two all come out this week. It's a lot of number twos. My, it's a lot of number twos. Well, they're all two-issue arcs for all the characters, which mm. is cool because they don't. it's not dragging on too long. Um, I got my Night Terror's Zatanna number two that I'm very excited about reading, but I haven't read it yet. Anyway, Loki, number three. Money Shot comes again, number three. Oz, Kingdom of the Lost, number one. Red Sonia, 2023, number two. Spider-Man, number 11. Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 37. Tales of the Titans, number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 142. The Cull, number one. Uncanny Avengers, number one. And X-Men Red, number 14. Steve, besides uh, Alpha Flight, uh, you pulling anything? Read anything? I, I don't know. I might pull that Dark X Men. That's kind of that's always interesting. Uh, the I think the original one was around like 2009, but uh, this yeah. team is I think Madeline Pryor, Havoc, Archangel, uh, Gambit, Azazel, and some other people that I can't remember. That's cool. Um, it's a good team. Yeah. So it's it, you know it, it leans into the the quote unquote grittier version. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Madeline Pryor is always uh, they're they're always doing something stupid with her. So True. Uh, <laughs> even I know that. So <laughs> it's funny. Last night, uh, my wife and I watched Deadpool two because oh, cool. uh, in my brain I was like, I need to turn things off and just watch something stupid and funny. Yeah, yeah. And that's very stupid and funny. Yep. Um, fit the bill perfectly. But at one point, I had to explain Cable. Oh, yeah. And she's like, so who's Cable exactly? I'm like, well, yeah. um, uh, now we're into the Summers family tree and this is its own 
animal and it's like well it's yeah. uh it's gene gray and cyclops and then we got into the whole conversation about gene gray being named marvel girl and she's yeah. like well that's derivative i'm like yeah well sure welcome is. to 1963 but yep. uh like i was like well it's gene gray and uh scott's kid but it's not actually gene gray it's her clone madeline Pryor, and there was this whole thing and i went down the rabbit hole and she was just like oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh said, yeah Let's, I want a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, how, where, why are you wasting the brain space on this? I'm like, I got to talk to Mike about it on Sundays. Yeah. I got to be up on my shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the only, <laughs> you know, I have to remember shit from 35 years ago because yeah. I talked to Mike. It's fine. It's wild what I don't, it's wild what I remember without even thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it could be X Men stuff that I haven't thought about in 40 years, uh, not 40 years because. I'd be an infant, but, uh, you know, like in so long since I was yep. 10 or whatever, I haven't thought about this specific X-Men or their origin or anything like that. But if you ask me about it, I'll be like, yep, this is where I got. I know mm-hmm. all this. Yeah. Just, sp- it stuff. just starts spouting out and you're just like, yeah, I should have thrown that faucet off. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You got to know who you're talking to mm-hmm. before you get, before you choose the level of detail you go to. Right. At <laughs> least I know my wife is still like going to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, Steve's relatively rambling sure. again. Cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, that's funny. Yep. Um, I uh, spent uh, most of last week at my brother-in-law's uh, lake house on a little family vacay. Nice. And uh, I read a ton. And uh, it felt great. I read both volumes of Tom King and Greg Smallwood's Human Target, which oh, nice. I have to say is excellent all around. Nice. All around excellent. It's gorgeous. The art is just incredible. Uh, it's Tom King, so the the writing is also incredible. Um, it's uh, It just touches on a lot of different things, a lot of different themes in that book. Um and it's kind of the horniest book I've ever read, I think, at the same time. <laughs> it's not like porn, but it's like, you know, these characters are flirting hard in a way that, like, made me remember flirting with girls when I was like, in my 20s. Or I was like, wow, this is, wow, it's great. Um, highly recommend it. Highly recommend Human Target. Both volumes are out now. I also finished Superman Space Age, finally. Very, very good. And also, I finally read, as I posted about it on our social medias, I finally read X-Men God Loves Man Kills for the first time ever. And um, I know you say, Steve, you told me it was great, but you didn't tell me it was the blueprint for all modern (laughs) X-Men stories. Yeah. Oh, it's Uh, I mean, it's the yeah, it's the seminal. It's one of the seminal pieces of Claremont's runs. Is that the book that solidifies them as an allegory for things like civil rights and lgbtq movement or had they touched there was, on that before there was plenty of stuff before that i mean that okay, i, was I say. believe god loves man kills was 1982 yeah um and they they definitely touched on it before it but that 100 percent hit the name nail on the head and was like yeah completely non-shrouded in anything and was like no this is what x-men has been about and is about <laughs> right yeah they're not being subtle about it right it's just yeah um yeah, really good. And, you know, this is like in the weeds comic stuff, but like I was texting you about like the layouts were insane. Like it was 15 oh, yeah. panels on one page. Yep. And tons of there's 
it's a very, very wordy book. Like there's a lot of dialogue in that book and they squeeze it all into pages that doesn't feel overcrowded. It doesn't feel like too much. You know, like I said, there's 15 panels on one page when the normal is like six. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. You and think about at, your normal like one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. And it's yeah, it was like I believe it's what three by three by three with like in panels in between like inserts and, in the yeah. middle yeah it's insane and it, it doesn't feel overwhelming it's still like very yeah, easy you can to still read follow and, follow and flow yeah fine and yeah yeah it's really really well done um yeah and clearly the blueprint for like the first couple x-men movies specifically number two yep i feel like it's like they took a lot from that book for x2 that for sure definitely and even like i saw i saw like visual stuff and things from the first x-men movie too so i was like okay i think uh, you know, whoever wrote those movies read <laughs> maybe two X-Men comics. One of them was definitely <laughs> God right. Loves Man. <laughs> if they yeah. if they read any of them, one of them was definitely this one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, anyway, yeah, I had a lot uh, a lot of reading done this week, which is nice. Nice. I'm trying to think. Did Oh, I did. Uh, I caught up on uh, two weeks ago. I had reviewed Incredible Hulk number one yeah i did yeah. read number two uh still mm-hmm. great like oh good and, and right up your alley too uh very yeah, it's very like horror monster, monster based uh awesome. real solid um and then uh i i sent you a picture but right behind me there uh the yeah. new, new addition to the collection uh jtc uh emma frost uh, negative space variant yeah uh, that's cool nine eight nine eight signed uh Ooh. straight from him so that was uh the they had he had some sale of like your four like you know people that had bought stuff from him before because i had bought yeah. i think one of the skywalker covers from him uh that mm-hmm. was an exclusive and they he sent that out and i was like mm, yeah i'll get that wow so awesome dude was a nice addition yeah uh so cool especially coming in after i uh have held off on some purchases <laughs> that have, have wanted yeah. to have been made. So, Yeah, you and me both have been um, fighting to keep our wallets in our pockets when yeah. we're going into Funky Town <laughs> lately right. on some of the the um, first appearances or first issues, like just vintage books that would mean a lot to uh, be in my collection or your collection, Steve, mm-hmm. I know. I was going to say yeah. both of both of the books that have been eyed by either of us are like they would be apex in the uh, the the respective collections of like at, at respected mine, books. Yeah, mine is a uh, um a few hundred dollars cheaper than yours. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours is much more attainable. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, I uh, I mean, let's just tell the people. Yeah. I am pining after. They have two copies of it in the store. One is a better copy. The more more expensive one, I think, is two fifty. It's the uh, issue of Swamp Thing uh, has the first appearance of John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in pretty good shape. Pretty good shape. I love both those characters, uh, specifically Swamp Thing and that run of Swamp Thing. So, yeah. I don't know. Mine, on the other hand, know. is the first appearance of Ahsoka Tano in the yeah, Dark Horse Clone Force. Wars number one. Um, and uh, it is, they they have one copy in the store. And the uh, I believe online it's go uh, even raw is going for like seven fifty and I I would love to find a way to make something yeah. like that happen but yeah it's too much yeah that's a little still still too rich for my blood so yep 
Um, <laughs> yep. And then, you know, with uh, with the show dropping in a week, uh, it's it, it'll be well out of well, well out of reach for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But whoever ends up grabbing that copy, they will be a happy person. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, last week, the um, Mega Millions was like nine hundred and ninety million dollars or something like yeah. that. Anytime there's like a big lotto thing and the the conversation amongst peers is inevitably shifts to what would you do if you yeah. won had this much money? My I've I solidified my answer a few years ago, mm-hmm. but if I ever got like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, I would easily spend three of them on a uh uh you know very good condition copy of Action Comics number one. Right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. How could I not do that? Yes. Yeah. No, yes. Hundred percent. Yep. I, after that, I don't care. After <laughs> that, I don't care what I do. I'll travel, go somewhere, whatever. But I'm gonna own action one for sure. Yeah. Mark my words, lotto people. If I win, I'm buying with your money. <laughs> it's not your money. It's the, <laughs> the collective's money that turns into your money. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Ah, uh, all right. Enough rambling about books that we'll never own. Um we got one one shot for you. And this is like a, just a fun little thing. Ms. Marvel, not the character, the show based on the character. Uh, was recently given the 2023 Television Critics Association Award for Outstanding Achievement in Family Programming. The show is also going to be beginning on ABC in the next couple of weeks in the fall, I believe, because everyone's on strike and no one's making TV shows. So they don't have a fall lineup. But um I think it's cool because Steve, you and I both really like the show Ms. Marvel and yeah. I like to see it getting some love uh, from the Television Critics Association. So, that's oh, cool. Absolutely. No, and it was it was a solid show that, you know, it again, I feel like you and I both have of the Marvel shows have liked the ones where they've just tried something different. 100%. Yeah. And they definitely did. Like Ms. Marvel, they didn't stick the landing for me, but the show mm. itself was a great watch. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like the the not sticking the landing thing is just a I I don't have to restate that that just comes with the territory of a Marvel show I guess seems to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's funny it's like the first five issues or five episodes great six great. Eh. I mean unless we're talking about Secret Invasion in which what do you mean uh, I don't think any they're of those make, episodes wait hold are on they're great. they're making a TV show about Secret Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> I, my brain, I, I've to, been I've been Men in Black. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I was just gonna make the same Men in Black reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky you, you got selectively Men in Black about Secret Invasion show. Uh, one can only hope. What a waste of time. Um, but that's all I got. I think that's yeah. that's, that's it. Anything else? Are we missing anything? No, I think we hit it. Uh, if you're one of the new folks that have uh, joined us, thanks to uh, Mike passing out cards at it uh, is. Comic Extravaganza, uh, <laughs> feel free to continue to listen to us by subscribing to us on various platforms, primarily Apple Music or Spotify. Leave us a review. Uh, helps trick the algorithm into letting more people know that we exist. Uh, beyond that, check us out on YouTube. Leave us a comment, like, subscribe, and uh, check us out on the socials at Multiverse RPT. Or, nope, that's on Twitter. No, that's X the one that we're not whatever. Really using anymore. We, yeah, yeah, we haven't really touched that in a while. Uh, the multiverse report on just about everything else you can think of. Um, yeah. And then, mostly Instagram. Yeah. A lot of Instagram. 
Uh, yep. I think we we double some things onto Facebook or whatever. But uh, yeah. Also, if you are finding us through one of those channels, please let us know where and when you did, and we'll I don't know we'll do something for you. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> whether it's a shout out on the pod or whatever, but yeah, we'll give a shout out. Absolutely. You know, we just like to know where our people are yeah. coming from. I know we've got a lot of a lot of local support and whatnot. For so, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, also, if you give us a five, if you give us a five star review, we will read that review on the show and uh, also give you a shout out. Hundred percent. Sure. So let us know if you uh, love us or hate us. Um, and that's it. Right? We done? I think that's we did it. it. We did it. We're good. Okay. Well, in that case, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time in the multiverse. <laughs>